Hey, welcome to the spoiler edition of the Game of Thrones podcast brought to you by BaldMove.com. This is for episode two, Home. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Uh, good news, Jim. You get to keep your job, apparently. What do you mean? Uh, the overwhelming, almost unanimous response uh, from people to our query about how to structure this thing was keep Jim on. Almost unanimous. I want their names. <laughs> I want their names. Okay, Ramsey. <laughs> Calm down. And, and, and it's, I suspected this, but uh, it was nice to see confirma- confirmation that the book readers uh, privately enjoy, well, publicly enjoy now, uh, when you say, like, wait, what the fuck? On like, right. theories as they come forward. And the show watchers that are joining, kind of dipping their, their, their toe in the water, this is all new information for them. So recapping, the book readers don't find the recaps tedious and they enjoy hearing uh, non-book readers' reactions to them. And hmm. the show watchers, uh, it's actually helpful. So that's nice. The other thing I wanted to talk about, because I get a lot of this, a, lot, a, a sizable percentage of my emails are people asking me if I've considered theory X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind everyone at the top of the podcast that there is an archive of the spoiler podcasts by subject and even time code uh, included in a link to every show notes. And you should be able to get that through your pod player. If not, if you can definitely go to baldmove.com, look at the show article, and it's all right there. And again, it's got every topic. Like if you want to know if I've talked about t- is Tyrion a secret Targaryen, there is uh, is Tyrion a secret Targaryen. Click on it, and the time code you need to get to the part in uh, uh, in the uh, uh, in the podcast. So that would save everyone a lot of time um, if if uh, everyone checks that out. So uh, also something that organically happened on the forums is a corrections thread uh, hmm. for things that I get wrong or people that maybe think that I didn't put the necessary emphasis or spin on something uh, that's been started. And I, I think that's a really cool feature which I support because. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get everything right. Uh, this week's the big correction was I said in last week's podcast that the character Victorian 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 Greyjoy, who is another brother of Balin's, we 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 meet, met one on the bridge this week, mm-hmm. uh, had been cast. I mentioned he had been cast multiple times, uh, and that is not true. It's only been Euron that's they've actually announced that's that was cast before the season. So. Hmm. Um, that means that some of the theories that I might have discounted before about, you know, uh, Yara, Theon's sister, or Theon being dispatched on the mission that Victarion goes on in the, mm-hmm. in, in the books, uh, those theories are back on the table. Okay. Uh, also, uh, something I forgot to mention or didn't even remember, uh, someone reminded me on the forum that in the books... Ghost is named not just because he's white, but also because he's silent. He doesn't make noise. And they thought it was, you know, a little bit evidence of warging going on that he was so vocal when he was pinned up, you know, while while John was dead. Now, yeah. there's a lively back and forth about, well, in the show that he's actually growled. and But, but I, think, I think that even if you want to say that, there's a quantitative difference between a dog growling or bristling or baring his fangs and actually howling. Okay. You know, making vocals. Right. So you could say that that is aberrant behavior for Ghost, perhaps. Definitely in the books, maybe in the show. And like we discussed on the main podcast, uh, I still think there is. I've seen this show. I've seen this this episode four times now. And I might be crazy. I might have. Some, someone might have warged into me myself. But <laughs> I, I feel like that there still is a little bit of evidence. Enough that you, you can't completely dismiss it to say that there's something special between you know, John and Ghost, and that might have been yeah. 
I would say there's room for that theory. Sure. There's room for that to be true, but there is no real evidence it's, to support it's... it because his master's dead. Like yes. this connection he's got is dead. It could have just been he, he probably heard his heart feel restart, that. or who knows? Right, right. Uh, so and, there's still room for it, though. And then the fact that there was such a long pause after Melisandre did her thing, like it's really who knows? Because I, do you, you know, te- explain to me how the magic works exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, you see, it uh, it unbinds ATP within mm-hmm. John's mitochondria, and uh, no, I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah. th- that th- that's the beauty of it, and I wonder if they're actually going to go back and and talk about this a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Melisandre is going to claim, uh, you know, Lord of Light's back on. I'm infallible. I was right all along. I never doubted myself. Right. Uh, whether she's going to be it's a more- catch twenty two, right? Because you got to get you got to doubt. In order to resurrect, yeah. and then once you resurrect, you no longer doubt. So, like, yeah, how, how did what is it? Boros, Thoros, Thoros of, of Mir. Mir. How did he do it so many times? Yeah, it's like true. he unlocked that power. Like that's a that's an achievement he got, and then boom, he can start doing it. It seems like he was um, humbled by the experience. Okay, uh, and I wonder. I'm, I'm hoping that that happens to Melisandre too. That she's humbled by the experience mm, and realizes, like, so. oh man, I murdered this child, and really for no good reason. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I want to move on to a couple other topics because my God, there's so many. I've done hours and hours and hours of prep and research and combining emails, and I still feel like I'm ill prepared uh, to do this podcast. But uh, the one that I want to talk about, the one I think is most interesting, is the theory that Tyrion is not actually a Lannister; he's a secret bastard Targaryen. Okay. Um, and you I'm not. I've actually, I did a whole podcast segment on this which is linked in wait for it the spoiler archives that you can access in every show notes for spoiler show notes um but i'm going to summarize i'm not going to go into the book information i'm just going to summarize the book information uh you know like in the show in the books uh danny and uh, sir barristan have a lot of conversations about her family and one thing that Barristan kind of hints at was that the Mad King had a bit of a wandering eye, specifically towards Joanna Lannister, who is Tywin's wife. And there are other hints and rumors, and th- that's the thing about the Game of Thrones books, is or the, ser- the Song of Ice and Fire, is there's a lot of rumors mentioned, like, you know, about, you know, Ned's bastard son. Like, a lot of people have opinions on whether... Uh, you know, who the identity of the mother is. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of suggestions about, uh, you know, Stannis and his wife, and maybe that he doesn't actually have a daughter. Maybe she's the bastard of the fool, the, the court fool and his wife. But some of that is like just stuff that people are saying because they don't like those characters. Some of it is just because people <laughs> like to gossip. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that seem like they have the ring of truth. And there's a couple of uh, rumors that... Eris, on the night that uh, 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 Tywin Lannister and Joanna Lannister got married, essentially claimed first night's rights uh, and bedded her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the evidence, such as it is in the books, is that, you know, anytime the Lannisters described in the books, it's always about their, their blonde hair that's the color of gold, you know, because they're associated with gold. Right. Yet Tyrion's hair is described as being like a pale blonde, almost white in certain lights, which is silver white hair is a very much a Targaryen trademark. It's very much not on screen either. Well, I mean, Viserion and, and Danny both have that silver hair. Well, I mean for Tyrion. Ah, yes, yes. He is very much not pale haired. Yes. Um, Tyrion also in the books has mitch- mismatched eyes. He has a green hmm. one and a black one. 
Um, in some of the books where there's been discussion of past Targaryens that have gone incognito and they've done things like shaved their head, um, the, the Targaryens have famously like purple violet eyes. Mm-hmm. And some uh, when when they're under sky, sometimes people describe them as being so dark they're black. So there's some speculation that he's actually got a very dark purple eye, hmm. which would be another kind of backdoor indicator that he's got some mixed Targaryen blood. Also not on screen. Also not add. on screen. Uh, we'll, we'll eventually get to stuff that's on screen. Okay. Uh, he also Tyrion famously has a bookish nature, which he says, "Well, it's because I'm a dwarf and I got to outthink. Like I can't outfight my way." But uh-huh. Consistently, the description of Rhaegar, who is, uh, you know, Danny's brother, who would also be Tyrion's brother, if mm-hmm. uh, th- this theory is true, is also very bookish and spends a lot of time studying uh, things and is more intellectual. Uh, Tyrion also has a long-held fascination with the dragons, which they allude to directly in the screen. This thing, this yeah. this, this story he tells is, is sort of from the books. And also he claims that he had many dreams of dragons when he was a child. Um, and there's also this this prophecy, one of the central prophecies in the books, where Danny's going through the House of the Undying, which is the warlock's, um, you know, tower that's in that's in uh, Karth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mentioned that the, dra- the, the, the it's mentioned that the dragon has three heads, and we know the House Targaryen logo actually is a three headed dragon. Hmm. And there's a lot of speculation that. John's one of those heads, and Danny is another one of those heads, and that there's a third, and there's also three dragons, which means there could be three, you know, by necessity, there'd be three dragon riders, which mm-hmm. also mirrors the original Targaryens that conquered Westeros. Aegon had two sister wives. They both rode, they all three rode battle dragons. So people are like, okay, well, John's one, Danny's the other, what's the third? Tyrion seems to make the most sense because there's a few things that unify all these characters together. John, Danny, and, and Tyrion's mothers all died during childbirth. Okay. Um, in fact, they uh, so so um, that's that's assuming Jon Snow is the illegitimate child right. of you know Rhaegar and Lyanna. She died giving birth to him. Mm-hmm. It's confirmed that Joanna and Rhaella died giving birth to Tyrion and da- Daenerys, so that would tie all their characters together thematically. Mm-hmm. And they've all had to kill someone that they've loved. Jon killed Ygret, um, uh, uh directly in the show, and he feels regret for what happens in the books. Tyrion was uh, uh, killed Shay. Daenerys had to kill Khal Drogo, you right. know, smother him with the with the pillow. The other interesting thing is that Tyrion designed, custom designed a saddle that would enable Bran, the crippled Bran, to ride a horse, which kind of gets him temporarily back into at least Rob Stark's good graces. Mm-hmm. And people are thinking that kind of engineering would be super handy if you had to whip up some device to ra- ride something as complicated as a dragon. Did Did Tyrion make that? He designed it. He designed it. He, he okay, designed, yeah. okay. He, he gotcha. actually designed it. So it's kind of like a foreshadowing of how his third head of the dragon might be useful. Right. Now, there's and lots... There's other competing theories. There's always the the, the brand warging into a dragon as a third head of the dragon. Sure, yeah. Um, but that, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Tyrion and his affinity to dragons that they just now introduced to the show, which I feel puts a little bit more weight onto the him being a secret Targaryen theory. Now that he's... Uh, down in the catacombs dancing with dragons. Yeah, it also explains and- why, you know, there's lots of reasons, to be fair, there's lots of reasons why you 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 necessarily don't want to believe this theory, and I go into those in the full podcast that I alluded to, but it also would handily explain why Tywin seems to have so much disdain for Tyrion. 
Because the theory okay. goes that Tywin actually knows about the, his being a bastard, but he's you know he he's too proud to admit it, and it also is too humiliating. So instead, he just takes all that anger out on Tyrion, right? Himself, and, and you know, in in as much as maybe he knew something about Jaime and Cersei as well, you mm. could say that's in his character, right? Yeah. Uh, now we don't know if he actually knew about that or not. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but. You know, I've I have there, held that close to my heart for a while now with Tyrion riding dragons. I want sure. him to climb atop a dragon, ride back to King's Landing, and fuck up everybody who has been uh, a thorn in his side sure. for a long time. And I think that's a good point about Tywin is that I do think that in the show they did a lot to suggest that you know he kind of knew what was going on, maybe. Because he yeah. asked some fairly pointed questions, and he got the, what he considered the correct answer. But I don't even know that it's more like, oh, well, I'm satisfied this is correct. I'm just satisfied that we all are understood yeah. that if these if these rumors were to be true, then our whole claim to the throne would be bad, or would be invalidated, and that would be bad for us because we're broke. Right. <laughs> and he might, you know, as much as he disdains Tyrion, yeah. he might also feel that way about having a bastard son. Yeah, the fact that the Mad King, you know. Or, or his wife having a bastard sure, son, right? Like, sure, sure. And that's the other thing is like was, you know, with with the Mad King being the Mad King, I don't necessarily know whether Joanna was a willing participant in this or it's just like, well, the king's going to do it. And, right. Um, so anyway, you know, rape in Game of Thrones is shocking, I know. Maybe Jamie found out. Maybe that's why he killed him. <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to mention about this whole Ramsey and Roos plot is in the books, Roos actually has a legitimate son who was like everything you'd want if you're a lord. He rode horses, he was intelligent, he was good looking, he had a good reputation among the people, he had a a, a gentle and uh well as gentle as you can be as a Bolton kind of demeanor and Ramsay murders him because he's jealous and he's a bastard and he he doesn't want this guy to succeed him. And in the books there's a lot of hints that Rue strongly suspects it if not outright knows about it. Uh, in the books, which is Ramsey a Bolton? Is he promoted? Is he? Man, that's a good question. I think he is. Yeah, like a, you... he must be right because why else would he even consider himself an heir? No, no, I know for a fact. Yes, because yeah, because okay. it, that was key to Roos's plan. Is that so? In the books, the way it happens is there, uh, they've got this girl, uh, Jean Poole who is one of the Stark kind of ladies-in-waiting. She's like uh, Sansa's, you know, personal lady or whatever you call that. Sure, yeah. And Handmaiden. They, yeah, handmaiden. There you go. And they pass her off as Arya. Okay. And then in a, in a complete hmm. sham wedding, Roose, uh, Ramsay marries this fake Arya. So if he's got a son, why would he make Ramsay official? Because Ramsay murdered him. So, so bastard Ramsey, bastard Ramsey kills oh, okay, his okay. legitimate son. That makes sense. Now, what I thought was interesting is there was a guy on Reddit who mentioned that when Ramsey went in for the hug, that it looks like he's kind of like feeling on his 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 his, his, his dad's no, not his, his, his buttocks, his, his back, not his buttocks. <laughs> we can't afford another gorilla penis to divert. You know, we, we got to keep it on the up and up. You uh, made the motion like. <laughs> Like I was, I was kind of sweet, <laughs> yeah. but he was kind of feeling, and and he um, suggested this is because Roos famously was wearing chainmail 
under his garments night of the red wedding. Oh, and he's feeling to. So Ramsey was there. kind of like, I wonder if my dad, my my old man's got the shields up. And when he found out yeah. that, because it's like you know, you go to stab your father and it's chainmail. Oops, that's you're fucked. Yeah, because you you just took your one shot and you missed. Yeah, that's so, when you got to bite his throat out. I, I watched that scene and I. I'm not comfortable declaring my allegiance to either theory. It, if it, he is in fact feeling the chainmail and that's intended, it's it's a cool thing to notice. But I don't think it's you know requires you. But right. the, the one thing I want to talk about this whole Ramsey murdering his legitimate brother was that I think if you're a book reader, it's a lot harder to swallow Roos letting Ramsey in that close because it's something you'd suspect. But in the show, since that's not a thing that they've introduced. Maybe he would. It's easier to believe that he'd be taken off guard. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, if he goes around killing his brothers, I don't know that Ruth lets him get that close. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, um, maybe even slap him in irons just preemptively. Like, you know, right. what, are you, what are you gonna do? But I, I thought that was kind of interesting getting that backstory. Uh, this guy on the bridge who confronts Balon Greyjoy and then throws him off into the sea. His name uh, is Euron. Yeah. And there's a couple of cool details in the story about him, uh, which are not reflected necessarily. Some of them reflected in the the show. Some of them aren't. Uh, he's described as, ha- as being handsome with black hair. He wears a patch over his left eye. He's actually nicknamed the Crow's Eye, and his lips are a pale blue color because he drinks the Shade of Evening, which is the same kind of psychedelic poison that the witch, the the warlocks of Karth drink, because they had the hmm. kind of a purplish lips. Right, um, right and he's kind of like a, a got, has a little bit of a mystic vibe to him. Did we see any of that on the screen? No, but the things that we did that none, none, they, but that's something that they've consistently done. Like all of the characters in the books are consistently described as more flamboyant. Like in the books, Dario has like purple hair and a forked yellow beard and gold teeth and like a whole bunch of other crazy shit. Right, but it doesn't really that doesn't imply much about him uh, and his yeah. abilities. But like drinking the, the cart stuff, yeah. that seems like maybe that might yeah. have implications. Um, I mean, I guess it's something they could show him like start doing. But sure, it's yeah. just something yeah. I just wanted to throw in for some details because I guess okay. I was expecting a little bit more freaky deaky of a guy. Right when he shows up there and dropped his hood, my first my first thought was wah wah. <laughs> you know, he's just a dude. He's just a yeah. dude. Uh, kind of reddish hair. Yeah, kind of like the same thing I had Dario. I thought Dario was kind of underwhelming. Yeah. And then they recast him like super, oh my God, it's Dario Nyquilis. He's putting me to sleep. Uh-huh. Um, but they, the thing that they did put in from the books is that his ship, his dread ship, is named Silence mm-hmm. because he has torn out all the tongues of the men who serve him. Right. And it's described as having black sails and a dark red deck. Guess okay. why the deck is dark hmm. red? They painted it. I don't know. Yeah, seriously, it's, it's kind of like the brown pants theory that that it's there to you brown know. pants. You ever heard that joke about the the captain that's sailing, and every time he engages in battle, he asks his uh, first mate to bring him his his red coat, and he asks finally, he's like, "Why do you do that?" He goes, "That's because I don't want the men to see me bleed, so they don't lose okay. heart." And okay. then one day he he sails over the horizon. And he sees like a hundred ships. <laughs> bring and his me first my brown mate pants. says, "Do you want your red coat, sir?" And he goes, "No, bring me my brown pants." <laughs> um, but nice. no, it, it's painted dark red because apparently there's lots of flogging and blood sloshing about and whatever. Sure. He's a super scary, horrifying pirate guy. Seems like it. Uh, I'm wondering how much of that they bring back into 
the show going forward. Yeah, he seems like he's going to be a Dread Pirate Roberts sort of character, right? But maybe more of a Whose political reputation precedes him. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the the big the big bomb drop at this King's Moot that's coming up in the books is the fact that Euron shows up mm-hmm. and you know puts in a strong bid for being the king and also has this fucking magic dragon horn. Right. That they and and he has one of his men blow it. And I guess there's like uh, you know carvings and whatnot on the horn that glow red, and it kills the man that that blows it. There's like this just crazy sound that comes out of it, and wow. it, it like burns up the man's lungs, like it chars him from the inside just to blow it. Hmm. So it implies that it's doing something, right? And we know that dragons were just released, right? So maybe it does call in some dragons. And that's I don't what know. his claim is that it's it's they're this, pretty it's far the Targaryen away, secret for for controlling dragons, right? So they're super far away. They're about as far away as you could be, unless the dragons yeah. were on the other side of it. I mean, I don't think it's literally like Batman summoning bats. I think it's if it's going to be anything, it's something like a dog whistle. But then again, who the fuck knows? And also, who's going to be the man that blows it if it's a fatal thing? Right. Like, uh, is that something a Targaryen could do? Maybe uh, Since they're fireproof. Or maybe not? clammy hands or whatever his name is. Damp hair. <laughs> Sure. What's his name? That's he's he's spent all of his life, Aaron Dampair, training to be moist, <laughs> just so he can blow the horn. Are his lungs moist enough to handle the fire? It's just like an e-cig to him. It's just vapor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the healthy alternative to dragon dragon horn blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to talk about the I, I know something I noticed in the second watch or third watch or whatever is when Bran and the third eye thir- three eyed crow are all tangled up in the roots and they're communing with the trees. As there's a lot of conspicuous skeletons of like animals and whatnot that are hmm. intertwined in the roots, uh-huh. which I found interesting because one of the things Bran learns in his visions is that the old Northmen, the first men, did some really uh, freaky deaky blood sacrifices to these trees, like that they would offer blood and they would actually take the uh, they they would dismember corpses and fling up their innards into the trees and and do stuff that like you. You have this. You have this um, sense of the first men being like the northern men, and they're like honorable, and like you know that's like the whole the, the, the whole Stark thing, and Ned, and they they would never do something like that. But Bran sees firsthand evidence that like hmm. you know the the really ancient first men kind of got up to that kind of shit. Right. And I wonder, uh, and that's that's also uh, spurred a lot of theories as well because in the books there's a theory because because. Um, Jojen, Mira's brother, doesn't die like he does in the show. Hmm. Uh, he progressively gets sicker and sicker. There's a um, in, with part of um, Bran's kind of training montage, for le- lack of a better word, uh, the child of the forest, the little kind of tree-looking girl that's that's a, the attendant of the three-eyed crow, yeah. uh, feeds him this weirwood paste, which claims to be like... Um, if I'm recalling correctly, like the nuts from the weirwood that okay. they've mashed together. It's like something that uh, is going to uh, really pry open his third eye and allow him to green sea uh, and, and kind of complete his transformation into a green seer. Mm-hmm. But it's described as um, being this paste, but it's also streaked through with like red, like, you know, like a, like kind of like a goobers and grapes. It's got peanut butter and grape <laughs> jelly combined. Well, this is uh, this paste with this uh, sticky red fluid. Yeah, and there's a lot of the, there's a theory called Jojen paste that you Ugh. know theorizes that part of what is in the secret sauce is you know Jojen's blood mm-hmm. that they've either he's either died or they've killed him as a sacrifice to awaken Bran's abilities. 
So I wonder if these hmm. bones and stuff are kind of to suggest that we're going to get some of these darker roots, literally. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought as a as a book reader is when Tormund came back and he was looking very, I guess, presidential. He was looking very leaderly. Mm-hmm. I was kind of half expecting, and it's still I'm not taking it off the table, for him to turn into Mance. <laughs> right, right. I you forgot. Know what I'm saying like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm he got glammed. I'm, I'm constantly looking now that they've introduced this aspect of glamour. Which, why would they? Why would they do that if that's not going to be significant later? I guess it's just to show right. the fact that she's at a low point. Uh-huh. But still, why do you show that power if it's not to introduce the concept for a further use? It, yeah, it would feel a little cheap to me, honestly. Like I, that's a cheap trick. Yeah. Literally, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how I would feel about that, but it's possible. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of monologue about before we got to the feedback is the fact that it. I know a lot of preseason speculation. Even last week, people were talking about how Sansa could fulfill the kind of vengeful role that her dead mother, Lady, their undead mother, Lady Stoneheart, fills in in the books. Mm-hmm. But it seems less and less likely. Like her having that friendly conversation and and kind of. What would you? You wouldn't. It's you, it's not a happy conversation where she's learning things about her sister and that she's gone off and she's missing and she's last seen with this man. But um, I don't know. It's, it's certainly not an angry conversation. She doesn't yeah. seem like she bears any ill will towards Brienne. In fact, she feels stupid for not taking up her on offer. So, and she yeah. already knows about the Lannister sword. It's looking less and less likely like Sans is going to be any kind of Stoneheart surrogate. Which still leaves room for cat, maybe. Maybe I know you're. That's something no, you I would love see. to see that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. That's just how I'm feeling about it now. So we've got something kind of special that we've had in the works for uh, about a week now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for the people who are exclusive to the spoiler section, we yes. like wanted to do something cool for them. Uh, we noticed that hey, this uh, this phrase we come up with mildly interesting is kind of dead now. Yep. You know, not not officially, but it's it's Rest down there. It, it might it might uh, get resurrected Maybe. from time to time. There yeah. might be some words, some some red priests praying over it, but for but the most part, it's dead. It's 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 mostly dead. Yeah. So we wanted to commemorate mildly interesting with a a shirt uh-huh. that, that people that uh, and we're going to advertise it exclusively for now here in the spoiler section so that you guys can get first crack at it. And then maybe if some of these other things, like the the, the theme of it is going to, is uh, the hound kind of digging the grave and filling in, because, you know, the grave digger theory. Sure. Uh, with the hound is all over the spoiler section. He's kind of filling in the grave of the phrase mildly interesting. And mm-hmm. we've, we've got a little tombstone there with him kind of, you know, just finished his his foot up on the shovel. There's the dates of the podcast from the time we started using it to the time right. it died. Uh, there's a catchphrase. It's a cute little shirt. I like it. A spoiler, Morghulis. It was designed yep. by Eric Walquist, which, right. you know, a personal arrogance fame. He's doing the direct podcast for us now, doing the Guerrero del Toro. Right. Mm-hmm. Sequence. He's him Runs and his, his buddy Levi, our buddy Levi, go through and, and do a deep dive on a direct, uh, its particular director's bodies of work. Yeah, so um, I think it's a pretty funny shirt, pretty cool. Yeah, shirt. he's a cool graphic designer, and I, I think I think the shirt is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's up in our shop right now. So if you go to gravedigger.baldmove.com, uh, you can get a direct link right to the shirt. And you know, we we host our our stuff through Spreadshirt because they do all our drop shipping and printing and stuff. So it'll take you over there, and you can just 
you know, go through their checkout process. And again, as I'm assuming that, you know, based on casting news and, and what I understand of the plot, that we'll get to the Gravedigger plot sooner or later, in which case yeah. that it will no longer be a spoiler exclusive. But because, God forbid, we spoil anybody, we're, we're doing this cloak and dagger. Gravedigger.baldmove.com. Uh, all one word, gravedigger.baldmove.com to get to the shirt. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is, as always, uh, we're entirely supported by our listeners. Uh, yeah, we have a few ads, but uh, much more than two-thirds of our income comes from people supporting us using our Amazon.BaldMove.com affiliate link and by going to Club.BaldMove.com, which is w- what I want to highlight. You know, the fastest way to get a podcast is to watch, them, watch, watch us record them live. Like, if you want the instant take, like, literally five or ten minutes after episode's over... Mm-hmm. We're airing that. Uh, you have to wait probably another 30 to minutes to an hour, depending on the internet traffic and how hard it is to edit and all that stuff. <laughs> you can get it right away. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other bonus features. We just posted a, a quip. Uh, also going up today is going to be a spoiler review of the new Captain America Civil War. Already up. Yeah. Uh, already by, by the time you're hearing this, it's already up. Yep. Uh, that's something we do kind of fun, too. We have a, a spoiler-free review that we give to everybody, but the in-depth spoiler take we reserve for our club members. There's a lot of bonus content like that. We try to make it worth your while, and it's not that hard to do because we're only asking a buck a month. Mm-hmm. If you sign up for the year, two bucks a month if you go month to month. Uh, it's economical. It's a great way to support us as independent podcasters. And, again, that's the only way we're able to give you three podcasts a week on this show. So if you like it, you like what we do, you want to show your appreciation, please go to club.baldmove.com and check out our membership. So I, I took these emails and I kind of divided them up by category. The first thing that people, everybody was abuzz to talk about was the previews for next week. Uh, episode called ah, I didn't even see these. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of scenes that imply that we're going to see probably as a Weirwood-inspired flashback, Bran is going to get to see what the events of the Tower of Joy Okay. Because you see cool. a young Ned square off, and you know there's a famous quote about, uh, um, well, the Kingsguard kind of march up. The three Kingsguard march up to meet Ned and his company, and the Kingsguard says, which is straight from the books, now it begins, implying this epic battle. And Ned sadly says, no, now it ends. <laughs> and so that's Tower of Joy. That's, you know, and if, if, if it's not coming up next week, then damn them for showing it on the trailer. And people want to talk right. about it. And, and it looks every week like we're getting closer to R plus L equals J. Yep. Uh, it's it's exciting. Uh, Teresa V says, This week the Three-Eyed Raven made a big deal about not spending too much time in the tree or, quote, under the sea. We know that we're getting a flashback to the Tower of Joy next week. So do you think they will use the time limit issue to hold off revealing Jon Snow's parentage? <laughs> They could, certainly. This week's episode is almost too rewarding to book readers. With Jon Snow's resurrection, Euron Greyjoy killing Balon, etc., it seems almost too nice of the show to also give us an R plus L equals J in the next episode. Most of my friends who watch the show are non-book readers, and they seem to be overly confused already. I mean, at least they could have had Balon use Euron's name so they could have some clue who this rando hooded guy in the bridge is. Right. (laughs) Uh, what do you guys think? Will they confirm the long-held John Targaryen theory or hold off to give show watchers a chance to get caught up? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, so I feel like they could do a scene where they show the events and they even show like a baby coming out of it. But, you know, if they don't use names and they don't really give show-only watchers yeah. a good indication of what's going on there it could still be postponed for that reveal, right? That that baby is, in fact, John. Uh, like, he, he might be able to see his father and see Leanna or whatever. Yeah. Um, Bran might, but 
is he going to recognize what's going on? And are we as viewers going to recognize it? I know the book readers definitely. Sure, will. sure. Uh, and that's the, that's kind of what I was thinking too. That these visions are going to be like pieces of the puzzle that hit the table, and yeah. eventually, I don't know if it's going to be next week or if it'll be another week or two. The last piece is going to snap in, and and everyone's going to realize at once. Oh my god, <laughs> it's John, right? I mean, I could definitely see that. Like either you know he pulls him out of the vision right as you know the battle's about to be joined. Um, or after the aftermath of division, um, and we get to it later on. But yeah, yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's like a. Te- I think that's a. That doesn't feel like a tease. That feels more like a effective story piece of storytelling. Right, right. At the very least, I'd like to see what John is going to be like now that he's resurrected. Right. Before I find out his parentage, right before I find this piece. That's of a information. good point too, because. I mean, if John's not all there, that could have even more implications. Well, not only that, but knowing that he is a secret Targaryen um, and a legitimate son of the, you know, of of the son of the king mm-hmm. is going to color the audience's perception of him. Right. So you've got a fine balance of kind of letting people get their own feeling of the new John before you drop the fact that, oh, by the yeah. way, he could be the prince that's promised, Azora High, et cetera, et cetera. It's all this other shit. It's a little too much at once, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if they kind of drip feed this stuff, I would be happy. Yeah. And I, again, I, I, the, the drip feed or, like, the slow reveal sounds like they're jerking us around, but I feel like that's only a book. Because, re- yes. again, exactly. the majority of, like, the R plus L equals J stuff came out in, like, book one. <laughs> so, and then, so it's been a while. And then things kept on adding, like Danny's Visions, and the mm-hmm. stuff just kept on adding and it was additive whereas there's almost been none of this hints in the show so yeah. the show watchers if unless they've been doing some side reading gotta kind of be slowly brought around so this doesn't feel cheap yep um so there you go uh also the thing on the trailer next week is we see the sigil of house umber which is four chains united by an iron circle uh their banners riding towards winterfell and presumably, huh. whoever's running House Umber right now, because in the book, the Great John uh, has been held hostage by the phrase ever since the Red Wedding, mm-hmm. uh, says that uh, he has a gift for Ramsay. Uh, there's a lot of theories about what this gift is going to be. Jessica L. says, It seems obvious to me that the gift that Ramsay gets is most certainly Rickon Stark. Ramsay mentions in Home that the Umbers, which are the bannermen of the Stark, have committed uh, to them for this confrontation against Castle Black. In scenes for next week, we see someone who looks like a no- new northern lord we haven't seen yet present Ramsay with a quote-unquote gift. We know that the- we last saw Rickon. Uh, he was on his way to the Umbers for safety, and Ramsay needs a Stark. A good way to provoke John and Sansa is to show them that they have Rickon. It could all- uh, even bring about a different version of the quote-unquote pink letter from the books. Unfortunately, it seems like Rickon's only part in the books is to die and to lead to this bastard bull between Ramsay and John. So that's one theory. And did, have I told you about the pink letter? I don't think so. So the big cliffhanger in the dance Dance with Dragons is John's up at North chilling, and he's you know getting the wildlings settled into the the, the north and and using them to garrison the wall and do all this other things. And in the middle of all this uh, preparation, he gets a letter called the Pink Letter because it's sealed with a pink wax that purports to be from Ramsay Bolton, who is residing in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, long taunt where he says, "You, ba- you, you uh, hey, bastard, I have have your sister, Arya, and I've murdered your false king, Stannis, and 
you know, essentially nanny nana boo boo, come and get me. Right. And it uncharacteristically enrages and motivates John to finally break his vows. And he, he, he recruits a, a, a basically a coalition of the willing, all the wildlings and all the black brothers that feel, um, that, that feel personally loyal to him. And he go, he's going to march them south against Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And that is what brings about then the the Black Brothers to stab him to death because they see that as a complete dereliction of his duty. And it's right. the, it's the it's it's not the instigating act; it's the, the kind of straw that breaks the camel's back. If this guy's out of control, okay. I feel like maybe you did tell me that, but okay. Good recap. Uh, so, but it, okay, having Rickon would definitely be as strong a motivation to come ride to save the day yeah. as having Sansa or Arya or anybody. I would think so. Uh, however, it really kind of relies on the umbers who are some of the most as i mentioned in the podcast some of the most staunchly loyal uh stark men right to just be like fuck it i got this stark kid and i'm gonna give him to the murderous boltons that yeah. seems hard to believe for me yeah why would that happen uh olivia d asked the question she says the biggest question for me after she briefly outlines the same theory is why do the umbers give up rickon Maybe the Karstarks just rat the Umbers out and they're given no choice but to turn Rickon over. Or maybe, just maybe, we're starting to see the beginnings of the Grand Northern Conspiracy show edition. Could this be the Northern Houses posing as allies to the Boltons to help bring them down? In the trailer for this season, Hmm. we are shown a scene of Davos speaking with someone about the real war to come. And if you look at the banner in the background, the sigil is is a bear that stands for House Mormont. Another thing to note, uh, that's the same house that Jorah came from, and Gior, the old bear that used to be the Lord Commander of right. the Night's Watch. Yep, his An- dad, right? Yep. Another thing to note is Sansa is seen in the trailer standing in a hall very similar to the uh, scene that Davos is seen in, rocking a direwolf cloak. Instead of sending Davos to find Rickon, uh, which is what happens in the books, since we already know his whereabouts as a hostage, could Davos and Sansa's task be to rally as many northern houses to remove the Boltons permanently? I feel like there was a reason the Karstark witnessed Ramsay killing his father. Folks are going to wonder what happened to Lady Walda and her child after Roose's death. Could these deaths come back and bite Ramsay in the ass with the Northern Lords? Kinslaying and breaking guest right are big no-nos in the North. That's a good point. Uh, so Roose is poisoned. I suppose Ramsay could just say that Lady Walda died in childbirth because that happened all the fucking time. Right. And, and, and so did the baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And that would wrap that up without him having to say, oh, yeah, I fed him to the dogs. Right. But, like, so who's who's delivering that baby? Like, how how loyal are the people directly underneath Ramsey here? This guy, he's intimidating into saying... Like the maester. Was it's poisoned. essentially the maester right. in the car. I think the car Stark seems to be complicit. That's Yeah, sure. But, yeah. like, the maester, the, the, you know, the... Whatever they call it, the nurse who's delivering the baby, yeah. like... How many people are going to keep their mouth shut here? Well, we know there's some sympathy to Sansa because, you know, the right. old lady has said the North remembers, yep. but then we also saw that she was flayed alive. Sure. But to me, that's just going to further uh, stoke the Northerners' resolve to oppose these people. It's would not think going so. to cow. I, I don't think the, the, the people from the North are easily cowed like that. Yeah. It's like just makes you – and there's a – this Grand Northern Conspiracy she alludes to is, like, really the only glimmer of light for the Starks in the books because there's mm-hmm. this evidence that all the Northern lords are just playing along with the the Boltons and the Freys and flattering them and lying through their faces, but they, they, they have this kind of rallying cl- cry about the North remembers. Yeah. And that they are going... There's, there's a, a big theory that there's going to be, like, the Red Wedding revisited because in the book, Ramsay hasn't 
or there's there's a big wedding feast. Uh huh. Um, that uh, that uh, like the Lord Manderley is one of the houses that he mentions is on a side in the show. He attends and uh, he brings his big like mince pie with him as a wedding gift. Oh boy! And it's, how dry is it? Well, it's well it's strongly hinted that there's actually a bunch of he he's killed and butchered Freys and he's serving the oh, Freys and Boltons this this human pie. Right. Which also goes back to like this Rat King legend that goes to the there's like a whole bunch of stuff that's that's tied into that. Hmm. Uh, but bottom line is a uh, shit breaks the, uh, bad at Winterfell, and there's also another like a fray wedding that's that's scheduled, and there's a lot of speculation there's going to be a red wedding too, where the the Northern Lords just put this you know down once and for all. Yeah, which will be awesome. Yep. I mean, it's about goddamn time a wedding goes our way. I guess the purple wedding, Joffrey choking to death, kind of went our way. Oh, for sure. But then yeah. that led to Sansa being sold off to slavery to Bolt. So it's like, yeah, I want one that's yeah. like not even a split decision. Just complete, total crushing victory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, she continues, Olivia does. Hopefully we'll start hearing a phrase being murdered in the Riverlands by the Brotherhood Without Banners. Uh, while Lady Stoneheart is unlikely, I'm still rooting for her appearance. I really, really want to see her. How great would it be to get her uh, uh, mother's mercy on Mother's Day? Uh, so, wasn't that a thing that um, uh, what that that the Joffrey died on Mother's Day? The episode actually did he? I don't, I, don't I know remember, there was something, but... or maybe it was uh, the Red Wedding happening. There, there's like some kind of show <laughs> history where the Mother's Day tends to be something hmm. ironic. And I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just happy hap- happenstance, but it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also says, supposedly Beric Dondarrion is reappearing in this season, which I have not heard, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the casting uh, on the off season. Uh, says, why can't we have Bran show us Thoros praying over her after the Red Wedding or Barrett giving her the kiss of life? I know I'm reaching, but I got to keep the hope for Lady Stoneheart alive. If they can get the North back, it will free them up for the real war, which is winter. I doubt anyone in the South will come to their aid when the Whites and Walkers show up, and Winterfell makes a great stronghold for the war to come. Uh, well, I know we talked about this as we went. Any overall thoughts? Uh, not really, except I'm rooting for the same thing. Okay. I, I want Lady Stoneheart. Okay, so so far we've got the gift being uh, Rickon without much dissent. Uh, mm-hmm. Isaac R., and there's lots and lots and lots of people that, that caught that. Isaac R. said, about the preview for next week, could the gift Ramsay is receiving from the Northern be fake Arya, a.k.a. Gene Poole? I know it would mean introducing an unfamiliar character, but it means Ramsay might send a pink letter similar to the one in the book. Also, a fake Arya in Westeros lays the groundwork for real Arya to truly become no one. It would also make Ramsay more formidable. The Northern Lords who support him, and I imagine their numbers are dwindling, probably see the strategic necessity of him marrying another Stark. Uh, what huh. do you? Th- I don't know if that would feel satisfying. This whole introducing of a fake Arya plot, unless they're doing it in the same episode where they reveal Mance, like. Maybe mm. that might be interesting thematically. Mm. I don't. You've got all these like fakes running around, right? One who actually looks like it, one who kinda does. I, I, do, I don't know. I do like the Is fact it... that her being fake Arya and perhaps even dying in Westeros would coincide with Arya, the real Arya, becoming this yeah. faceless man. Mm-hmm. That kind like of... her name being used elsewhere. Yeah, that that would be kind of cool. Is it possible that anyone can find Needle and bring it over as some kind of evidence that she's Arya? I I mean, I don't, man. I doubt it, but, like, they haven't shown us anything that would suggest that. My my big question is, does, uh, do the, do the faceless men know about Needle? 
I think they do. Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty sure. Arya, I mean, it's, it felt like she did that without anyone seeing her. But then but again, come the, on. I mean, how could you say? It could be anybody passing along. Or, yeah. Um, but that's the other thing I want to mention that is kind of the synthesis for some other emails is the fact that what if it's Theon that the Umbers are presenting as a gift? And he gets reintroduced into Winterfell somehow. Next episode? I mean, they'd have to catch him pretty fast. It's almost like they'd have to already be working together. But the reason yeah. this is a potentially cool theory is in the books, everything's told from uh, Theon slash Reek's point of view. And he's a legit crazy person from the torture. <laughs> but there's this plot called The Ghost of Winterfell where there's this unseen assassin that's going around murdering key people in Winterfell. Okay. And you slowly come to realize that... Theon is having these psychotic breaks where he can cannot account for large lapses of time. Right. And like, you know, you'll see that he's having breakfast and the scene won't end, but suddenly they're having lunch and these kind of coincide with the killings. And you start getting the idea that Theon during these psychotic breaks is acting out and killing these, these Bolton people. Yeah. He is the ghost. It would be cool to have him, when he says, you know, we, we widely speculated, he, when he says, I'm going home, he's going to Winterfell, it'd be cool to see if either he gets in through being presented as a gift or sneaks in somehow because he's got inside knowledge of the castle, which he does, and the way the Boltons operate, which he also does, and assumes the role of the ghost of Winterfell as a, as a vengeful thing. I think that would hmm. be kind of cool to introduce that uh, into the plot. Okay. Uh, do you are you ready to talk about Hodor theories? Sure. We have from the plausible to the sublime to the absurd this week. Awesome. Uh, Bailey L said when Lyanna was kidnapped or ran away to the Tower of Joy, uh, I speculate that Hodor was one of the men that went with Ned to save her. He's friends with her, and the thirty seconds of screen time they had together showed that he obviously cares for her. So what if it's ominous or ironic that he does in fact pick up a sword? She's I cut out, I had to cut out a lot of this email, but she's she cited as evidence the fact that uh, when old Nan came to retrieve him, she said, "You're a stable boy, and you'll never need to fight or use a sword." Right. And she says, "You know, there's almost no wasted time or space or lines in Game of Thrones, so it'd be interesting if that came back around mm-hmm. as an ironic twist that he does in fact have to use a sword to save Lyanna." And in the battle, it gets injured in the head where his scar is, and that is what has impaired his speech. Similar to what happened to the real-life story of Tan that I told in the uh, the episode. Um, this possibly means that he's known about John and his true parents all this time, but has never been able to say about it, anything about it physically. I know we discussed this off-air. What's your initial opinion of this theory that Hodor actually accompanies Ned to the Tower of Joy and does battle? I just don't see why Ned would let that happen. Um, Why would Ned bring Hodor, period? Right, right. I mean, if it's more Hodor's own volition, like, I'm going, consequences be damned, maybe I could see it. But how does he keep up with them? But then Ned, as the acting lord of Winterfell, says, fuck you, stable boy. I'm taking my men-at-arms and my actual soldiers. And we're riding there. This war campaign, yeah. Good luck keeping up. Uh, And that's the thing, like... And that's and that's the other thing is this time it's not like Ned rode right there to rescue his sister. This is like the very end of the campaign of Robert's rebe- rebellion. So he's gone through lots and lots of war and huh, battles at okay. this point. So Hodor would have to be just kind of tagging along that whole time. Now the book says the book actually says there were only two people who survived it: Ned yes. and, uh, Ned and his brother. Reed. No, that's not his brother. Or, it's not his one brother. of his okay. childhood friends. And right. Bannerman. Right. Uh, so there's no mention of Hodor there. No. And 
I would think maybe if he were one of the only surviving people, he might get, at least get a mention. I know he's he's not a knight or anything. He's not a, a lord. Yeah. But come on. The books aren't the show, but, you know. Right, you and, the, and the books aren't the show. So you, you, you can definitely use the two to kind of make the, that's what we're, that's what that's whole, all I, that's all I can do. That's all yeah, I have to go off That's of. what this so, whole podcast is about at this right, point. It's right. <laughs> trying to use them as shitty mirrors to reflect each other and figure out what's going on. So I, I wouldn't say that it's impossible due to that. I would say it, it's less likely to happen that it way. It would be though. surprising, and they would have to do a bit of tap dancing and and sure. some some really excellent writing to explain why he would be along. You know, why would you have yeah, the stable boy tag along? I would say, I, and I'm sure we've got a lot of comments about this, but I would say that that line about him not being a warrior and not, not needing to use a sword could be setting it up for later when Bran has to work into him and kill a bunch of people or that's the thing something like, we've like already that. seen him we have seen do that, that and and there's talk to, uh, of uh you know that in this episode it's like imagine if uh, hodor ever fought he'd be unstoppable right um you know. and he kind of was that's when what i'm saying Bran it's already kind of ironic him. because yeah it's a super effective tactic right <laughs> and then it could definitely happen again so um alex k uh mentioned this um uh, this this article uh, that two redditors work together uh, that has a theory that I think is ridiculous, but I'm going to talk about it because you know it's not like I don't traffic in ridiculous theories. Uh, the bolt that's the one thing we forgot to talk about the bolt on theory, which I'm not going to go into detail, but it's this theory that I talked. I think it's the second spoiler cast that I did. Again, consult the archives, uh, but it's the bolt on Roos's loose theory that asserts that. Uh, Roose Bolton is an immortal skin-changing vampire, which sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but there's a surprising amount of indirect textual evidence for it. But let's let's and not... there's also thematic support in that you've already got the Starks as werewolves, you got the Frankenstein, Robert the Strong, Mountain. Uh-huh. Why not have a vampire? And something else. Uh, George Martin made another uh, post on his his little blog thing. Where he mentioned, like, it seems like he has an annual call for the book readers to calm their shit. Sure. And he's like, you know, the books are the books, the show's the show. There's some people that are alive in the show that are dead in the books. There's some people that are um, alive in the books that are dead in the show. And there's some people that are maybe on the show human. And I, and he said in the books there maybe might be vampires, which is kind of like... <laughs> What the fuck, man? Right. You, you're, is he being playful about this? Is he uh, just kind of winking at us all? Or is he just, you know, giving subtle credence to the Dread Lord uh, Roose Bolton theory? I don't know. Right. Uh, well, I, so I don't know. Do you think that that theory dies with Roose Bolton stabbing in the heart here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he does. he does, you know, sort of stake him in the heart. Or does he get him lower? I, I mean, you you, you put it in it, it, it seemed like high belly to me, but you can definitely stab a man's heart okay. from from there. Sure, coming under the rib cage or yep. something. Yep. Uh, and I don't. I mean, the the Starks aren't literally werewolves. They no. can temporarily control a, a dog, a wolf. Yeah. Um. You know, I I, I don't know that Roose Bolton is going to literally be a vampire, sucking blood, immortal, that sort of thing. I don't, to me... Turning into a bat. I always enjoyed it as, like, there's no way that literally that's going to be true. Right. Although, I can't say there's no way. I wouldn't be surprised if there's no way that literally could be true. But it's also, I thought it'd be one of those great unfalsifiable theories. Like, if you want to believe that Roos is a vampire, it adds a little bit of creepiness to some of his chapters. Um, Hmm. 
but if you want, you know, it's not super important to the plot. Okay. Uh, but if you want to know more about that, again, go to the archives and check it out. Because it's, it's a fun and entertaining theory that everyone says, oh, that's bullshit until you listen to it. It's like, okay, it's still bullshit, <laughs> right. but it's surprisingly well-supported and entertaining bullshit. And thematically, maybe it's there. Indeed. So. Indeed. Uh, anyway, uh, so, oh, boy. The other thing I want to talk about real quick about Hodor is that, and this isn't important. I just want to mention it just for completeness. Is in the book, it's his name is Walder, not Ho- not Willis. Hmm. And it seems pretty obvious that they just changed that to eliminate confusion with the Walder Frey. Okay, and they de- they've done that consistently. Like if they're like in in the books, Theon's sister's Asha A S H A, but they changed it to Yara to avoid confusion with Asha O S H A. The oh Jesus, girl. I know. Yeah, that would have never flown. Well, it's just like in Lord of the Rings, you got Saruman and Sauron, right? You know, one's the White Wizard, one's the All Seeing Eye. Like uh-huh. there, there's a lot of uh, subtle transformations to keep people from being confused. They changed some Lannister names, uh, cousins' names to to avoid confusion. It's just like you got all these family names running around. You don't want show. If, if you know, I think the way show watchers work is if they hear this guy named Walder, they're thinking, oh, my God, he's a secret fray or something like that. And their show is sure. like, no, 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 don't calm your tits. <laughs> don't want that to happen. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's Willis in the show. Uh, these, this theory goes, um, and I'm quoting Tezo Green Tea here from Reddit. I'm thinking that Willis went far beyond the limits of he he, he asserts a Hodor Hodor is a secret warg like Bran. Okay. Says, I'm thinking that Willis went far beyond the limits of warging, which may have mentally damaged him and turned him into Hodor. I remember Jojen Reed warning Bran not to warg for too long, or else he'll be trapped and mm. forget he's human. Uh, the theory goes even deeper. Since Hodor was a stable boy, it's likely that he have chosen a warg into his favorite animal, a horse. We also saw in the episode Leanna is very kind to Hodor and is also an accomplished writer. It's possible that Hodor could have warged into Leanna's horse in order to spend more time with her. And as the uh, Redditors theorize, might have what? been in control of the horse when it was later slain, potentially causing him brain damage. <laughs> okay. Or he could have simply spent too much time warging and ended up taking on horse-like characteristics, which in part could explain no, no, why no, Hodor no. is so comfortable carrying Bran on his back. No. Using... And no... <laughs> And has a giant horse cock. No, no, come on. Come on, this is an insane theory. It's not giant's blood at all. Uh, <laughs> come, come on. I mean, are we really entertaining this? No. It could also explain Thank why Bran is able to warg into him. If he actually has the mind of an animal, it should be pretty much the same for warg as our Bran is warging into other animals. Oh, my God. Uh, and they speculate that we'll later find out the Hodor is the name of Leanna's horse. <laughs> No fucking way, man. No fucking way. Come on, he's got a scar on his head. It's clearly, like, physical damage. It's not getting stuck in a horse. A dead horse. Yeah. No, Uh, I I can't imagine that that is a a legit theory. But it's funny. I'm just saying, like, strap in, because one thing I constantly run across in doing this podcast is people's inability to separate, essentially, fan fiction from a theory Okay. Like a theory sure. has supporting evidence and predictive value. Yeah. Fan theory, uh, 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 fan fiction is making shit up based on what came before. Right. And and you got to know the difference if if you want to like this to me is very fan fictiony. It is. Take a bunch of facts, shuffle them together. You know, hey, kind of, sort of, from this perspective fits the narrative, but then like, okay, so then what happens? There's <laughs> blank. 
Right. Hodor's but, a horse. Then, then you have a lot of, but what about this? Sure. Questions with sure. fan fiction. Uh, anyway, uh, but that's that's the bleeding edge tinfoil. Uh, maybe, maybe too, maybe too bleeding edge. Maybe cut yourself on it. Connor OB said, Aaron mentioned last week, there may be something connected to Winterfell's crypts that was never passed down to Ned and his flip to the script with, uh, putting Lyanna down there, started the events with the others through some kind of, uh, you know, unpoorly understood mechanic. There's a pretty solid theory out there that Hodor has some kind of connection to the great other or godly nemesis of Relore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Here we go. What the hell is the other? Uh, so the great other is, um, essentially the God of death, the stranger. Okay. Um, who is the, you know, the guard, the God of darkness as opposed to the God of light. Hmm. You could say the God of ice versus the God of fire. Uh, early on Mel tells Stannis about the great other and describes it as the embodiment of darkness and cold. Also that the true name of the great other must never be spoken. It's very Harry Potterish. Coincidentally, in Norse mythology, the god of winter is named Hodur, which is H-O-D-R. I'm unsure of how to spell that, but I'm going to guess it's, it's Hodur. Uh, so there is some unknown established connection or event that happened to Hodor that limited his speech, and no one knows what the hell Hodor means because the name wasn't meant to be spoken or is likely lost over time. He's just thought as simple-minded. We know that Hodor mm-hmm. is not one, or is one if not the oldest person alive who's grown up and lived in Winterfell. He would likely have been around when Ned placed Lyanna's body in the crypts and back in a clash of kings. He is kind of freaking out when Bran, Rickon, and company have to go down to the crypts to hide there while Theon is sacking the place. This is true. It's also mentioned that nobody goes down super deep into the crypts, so it's left as a mystery. If anything, like ice dragons, uh, which is another theory that I might need to touch on, uh, live down there. I think it's curious that young Walder or Hodor went exploring one day. Or, I'm sorry, he's he's theorizing now. I think that a curious young Walder or slash Hodor went exploring down there one day, maybe after Lyanna's burial, and went deep into the crypts and found the manifestation of the ancient actual other. Hodor was then left only able to say Hodor. Uh, so, what? how does that float your boat, the fact that Hodor coincidentally rhymes or matches closely with this old Norse god who reasonably you could speculate George Martin might have drawn inspiration for in some of his mythology and lore. Uh, It's interesting because we don't have any indication of why he can only say Hodor, right? I mean, if that's not his name, which I assumed it was before... So I, I want to also drop something that I did in some researching in this theory. Um, there's this at the Citadel.org, which is this um, archive, a repository of a lot of um, old and, and current um, A Song of Ice and, and Fire information. There's a part of it called the uh, So Spake Martin Archives, uh, which is essentially a, a, a digital copy of a bunch of correspondence that, um, that, that Martin had with like... Uh, uh, he had this uh, guy that was drawing pictures, like uh, uh, official A Song of Ice and Fire artwork. So it's like descriptions of characters and backstories and sigils and stuff to give this guy better information on how to draw them better. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, speeches he gave at conventions. It's got, uh, you know, public letters that he'd sent back and forth to fans and to other professional critics and, and uh, other uh, writers and authors and whatnot. But uh, someone called and or not called. Someone wrote in and asked for clarification about when Hodor went down and he was freaking out and afraid. 
and Martin gave this very cryptic response that Hodor was not afraid of the crypts before or after this scene. This was a particular time that he was afraid to go down. And he emphasized that it was this particular time, hmm. which a plain reading would suggest that he was just afraid because Winterfell was being sacked and, you know, this is just a stressful, scary time for him. Yeah. Or it could have been that he was worried that there was something for some reason down there that would be afraid. Um, but it doesn't seem like he was just afraid of the script the, of the crypts is just a scary place in general or mm-hmm. a dark place, which you'd think like a simple guy might do. I don't know. Right. Huh, that's interesting. Before we give it too much thought, I want to get on a trip in who kind of takes off where, where this last emailer uh, uh, began or left off. He takes off from where they left off. What if Ned hid some evidence of John's lineage in Lyanna's grave below Winterfell? And part of the reason John needs to go back there to Winterfell is to find something that will definitively prove who he is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like, even if John figures out that he is a secret Targaryen, how does he authenticate that? Yeah, we assumed uh, what's-his-face would come back, the only yeah. other guy at the Tower of Joy. Yeah, um, Howland Reed. Howland but then Reed. Who, yeah. why do you believe Howland Reed? Right. You know, um, you're just saying that because you're a Stark loyalist. Uh-huh. Perhaps there's some Targaryen heirloom, such as the lost Valerian steel sword or something to do with dragons. Uh, some people mention uh, there's a popular theory that Lyanna was um, uh, buried with uh, Rhaegar's harp, uh, famous and recognizable harp. This kind of makes sense because, I, if I remember correctly, Leanne is the first woman or non-king Lord of the North to be buried in a crypt, which is correct. What if to protect the evidence of John's birth, Ned hid in a crypt, which no one would think of anything because he loved his sister and would want to honor her. This also has some humor to it as King Robert was paying his respects to his sworn enemy's son's birthright. The other thing is, as mentioned in the previous email, there's this um, mythology and legend that there's a dragon that lives below Winterfell. Um, and some of the sim- – the, so, that, that's kind of like a just-so explanation for why Winterfell has these uh, – this geothermal power. Like, uh, mm, okay. The Winterfell's built over these, like, hot springs. So even in the darkest, deepest winter, it still is relatively warm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people's like, oh, there's a dragon down there. Um, but metaphorically, if, like, there's evidence of a Targaryen parented for John buried in those crypts, that would be kind of a fulfillment of a dragon, you know, being hidden within the crypts of Winterfell. Okay. Get it? Gotcha, yeah. Like a piece of Targaryen lore sure. would be a lyrical way of explaining that. Uh, I actually talk about that in the archive. So, again, go down and, and look at that about the – I think there's something about uh, Lyanna or, uh, yeah, Lyanna and the, the crypts of Winterfell. Yeah. The dragons I- of Winterfell. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you prove your lineage? Like, that's that seems nearly impossible to me, um, without it being general knowledge. Because, like, you know, say she's buried with a harp. The what? It, yeah, he pulls the harp out. It's like, oh, I'm a Targaryen, and he yeah. knows it. Uh, but how? Like, hand that harp to Tyrion. That doesn't make him a Targaryen. Hand it to. His dad, that doesn't make him a Targaryen. I think there's a couple things here. Number one, when do we as the viewers slash readers know for a fact that John is a Targaryen? I think two, the flashback. Two, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So second is, when does John find out and really believe in his bones that he is a Targaryen? Right. And then third, the third step would be, now how do you prove it to the world? Right. As we discussed in recent podcasts, that's not as super relevant as you would think. Because the right to rule means 
only means something when the laws are functional and you don't have out and out war and rebellion. When there's mm-hmm. a war rebellion on, it's like, well, who fuck your strongest claim to the throne? It's who's got the might, who's right. going to win, and then you try to figure out who's got the best claim to the throne. That's how Robert, even though he's a shitty king, he ended up sitting on a throne because the Baratheons had a long uh, blood lineage back to where they split off from the Targaryens a few years after they came across. So the Baratheons had the stronger claim to the throne than like any of the Aaron's or the Starks did. Okay. So they made Robert the king, even though he is a complete asshole, terrible king. That might be putting it too strong, but I don't think anyone would argue that Robert was a great, effective leader of, of Doesn't Westeros. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's kind of like the topical things. There's a few other random emails that we have to consider. First from Doug L. I'm trying to make sense of why the Dorn plot panned out the way it did, and I think I wonder if this is a remix designed to make way for the introduction of a John Connington and young Aegon Targaryen plot, which I might have to digress to explain a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, books four and five, especially Dance with Dragons, are about several characters racing to get to Danny. Specifically, you have Tyrion Lannister, Victorian Greyjoy, and Quentin Martell, Doran's son, all vying to get there first, with his stars Olorak and Dario Naharis already vying for attention to Marine. I think you know all those people, right? Tyrion, Victorian is the brother of Euron that we talked about sailing with a ship and this horn right. with all these ships and horns over to offer a marriage alliance. Quentin is the son of Doran who gets burned alive by the dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tension of the story would be who would get there first and what would happen to the others. The show has now remixed that to hell with Danny already ridden off, Quentin missing entirely, and Victorian not even having been introduced yet. So what to do? In the books, what made Doran interesting is the fact that he was playing two very long cons. And I might have a disagreement with you here, Doug. One is he's trying to get Quentin to Danny, but the other was that Rhaegar Targaryen's baby boy, the one the mountain allegedly killed, was actually swapped for a different baby and raised in secret. Oof. So this is a theory, and I always understood that this was a plot by Varys and Illyrio uh, to spirit away this, to basically swap the baby, uh, take this trueborn Aegon Targaryen, raise him in secret to be like the ultimate leader, and then introduce them later. Is that... Is that a fact? That's in the books is a fact. They actually did that? Yes. In the show. Well, no, no, well, that's what everyone's claiming to happen in the book. There's a lot of evidence that this Aegon character is not really this. He, he's, he might be a Targaryen. He might be from the bloodline of, like, the Blackfire Targaryens, which are an offshoot of t- t- Targaryens that... Uh, came up when um, uh, one of the Targaryens lost his mind and legitimized all of his bastard children before he died. <laughs> Imagine okay. that. You've got a, a clear successor to the throne. you got this asshole who spent his ho- entire life whoring and doing being a terrible king, and he's got all these bastards. They called, they're called great bastards because they're also the uh, spawn of him and some other noble-born women, and he legitimizes the lot, which instantly throws the kingdom into civil war because they all have dragons, they all have claims to the throne, and they're all power-mad Targaryens. Yeah. Um, But that's like the Blackfire Rebellion, all these great bastards trying to usurp the throne. Okay. And there's some evidence that uh, this 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 Aegon could just be a fraud. He could be a Blackfire Targaryen, or he could be the actual Aegon. That's something that we haven't determined yet in the books. Hmm. Uh, but what we do know is he claims to be Aegon, and he's the ward of this exiled Lord John Connington. Uh, they briefly caught, cross paths with Tyrion and Jorah while they're on route to Marine, and it's Connington, not Jorah, who contracts the grayscale. Uh, so that whole scene of them going through the 
the Stonemen's River. That all happens, but it's the John Con- Connington character that falls off and gets gets the grayscale. Hmm. Jorah is fine. I have no idea what that remix is all about yet. Uh, so book five ends with Connington and Aegon having made their way finally back to Westeros and laying siege to Storm's End, the ancestral seat of House Baratheon. A released chapter of book six reveals that Doran has received word of the pair's arrival in Westeros and dispatches one of his daughters to assist. With Doran now dead in the show, will the Sand Snakes be the ones that take advantage of this powerful new ally? I could see this coming up towards the end of the season somewhere since a lot of the groundwork would need to be laid. That said, it seems hard to believe none of this plot will appear since an extra Targaryen is a pretty major plot device to leave out entirely. Your thoughts? Uh, my first thought is, I don't know that Doran is behind this Connington, Aegon, slash Fagon plot. Uh, it could be that once... I mean, and I Because I haven't read any of the pre-released books or chapters from The Winds of Winter. I'm aware of most of them. Um... But just because I guess he finds out about and, and dispatches one of his daughters to assist, I don't necessarily mean think that that means he was behind that plot. Because, again, the way I read it was that that was something that Varys and Illyrio hmm. and a couple other Targaryen loyalists, maybe just those two themselves, uh, that's something I considered last last season, cooked up this plot. And there's also a lot of... The reason why a lot of people suspect he's a fake Targaryen is because one of the... Um, Many visions that Danny got in the House of the Undying was the fact that there'd be this Mummer's dragon. Uh, Mummer is what they call in Westeros like an acting, uh, you know, like an acting troupe. They don't call them actors; they call them Mummers. Oh, okay. Um, like a yeah, uh, so like Monty Python. Yeah, Mummer's dragon would be, uh, and in in I just read over in the off season the um, the Duncan Egg series. Yeah. And there's a couple scenes where there's a mummer's dragon where it's literally just like a puppet dragon that they, you'd use in a play, like a like a fake dragon. So, mm-hmm. you know, people, this 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 fake dragon and this mummer's dragon and Danny being warned about it yeah. seems to maybe point that, that, that he's not legit. Okay. Hmm. Um, but yeah, whether Dorne's involved or not, I don't know. And I honestly, I could see them just leaving this entire plot out. Yeah. Because yeah. unless you think that the the Aegon real or fake is going to end up sitting on the Iron Throne or being a major player, you could literally excise their entire plot and nothing would change. Sure. However, I said that exact same thing about the Greyjoy plot last year. <laughs> and, and here we are. Did I get to actually finish my thought on the main podcast? Because there's a there's some talk on Reddit to where maybe the double D's did intend to completely excise that plot. And then when it became clear that George wasn't going to finish the book, yeah, it's yeah. like shit. Uh, HBO wants us to make more seasons. We kind of want to stall for George to kind of crystallize things more. So you know what? We'll get another two or three episodes out of resurrecting his Greyjoy shit. That would really suck if then it doesn't become a major thing, right? Like it feels like if they were going to leave it alone, uh, and George was going to leave it alone, then bringing it back for a few episodes and then just dropping it again would mm-hmm. really suck. Yeah, this late into the series, or it could be that George indicated that it's more central. Exactly. Than yeah. I mean, I it's it's this is such a bizarre situation. It's kind of anyone's guess, but yeah, I guess I wouldn't be offended if it leads nowhere and it turns out they did insert this for time because it's kind it's sort of interesting. Um, it is something that Danny needs. She needs ships to get back to Westeros. They already provided her those ships and then burnt them, which is weird, but she does need them. So it's kind of sort of vital. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they elegantly remixed them out and now they're putting them back together. But as I mentioned, like 
I mean, maybe this is the secret plot to kill Hitler that just didn't come to fruition. And sure. that's kind of cool to throw some of those things in. Mm-hmm. Historically, it seems like the Double Ds have removed all those to streamline it. Because if you want to see all the sprawling action, go read the fucking books. If you want the swashbuckling, pedal to the metal, highlight reel, watch A Game of Thrones. Yeah. Anyway, so those are my thoughts. Um, and if I got any of that wrong with Doran, I'd be interested to hear about it. Because, again, I've not read word for word. The, the re- I sat down once. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I've read all this stuff. I'm going to sit down and read it. But I started looking to find out where you could actually read them online. And, like, there's not a real legit place that's got them all collected. There's what are you talking about? These these unreleased, these preview chapters of The Winds oh, of Winter. Because okay. George yeah. typically does, like, on the con scene, he'll read like a chapter from the book that's not finished to get everybody ooh and an on or uh-huh. as a spe- like as it's it's included in you know as an extra material for a compilation he's made or but I didn't find any anything that's like short of piracy to read all that stuff and I'm like you know what fuck this mm-hmm. fuck this I don't want to read a bunch of unconnected chapters all this wait I mean I'm fine if people tell me kind of like rough outlines of what happens but I don't I'll just wait for the damn book to come out. Now, sure, that was like 18 months ago, and <laughs> joke's on me, the book's still not out, but that just explains why that's kind of still a blank spot in my, my knowledge. Uh, Gerard M. says, now that we have a hard out, there's roughly 22 episodes left, I believe, uh, total in the series. Can we start making more accurate predictions on what still needs to happen? So he starts the ball rolling. Here's the main items as I'm seeing it that I'm interested in exploring. One, Arya needs to complete her training. Two, Daenerys needs to reach Westeros. And three, we need to figure out how Varys and Littlefinger, arguably the real power brokers on the show and in the books, wind up into in the endgame. I'll start with number three. Nothing I'm, about Jon Snow in there, huh? Well, that's... Just not interested? I mean, <laughs> the big mystery from him just got resolved this episode, so I'll forgive him for really? not throwing that in. It just opened up the possibility, opened up the floodgates of possibility for me. I I guess I'm on full in. Yes, John is definitely going to be a secret Targaryen, and I'll I'll go. I'll okay. be uh, I'll be uh, super surprised if it doesn't turn out now. Like him being resurrected, I'm thinking that's a done deal. Well, this is, this is a huge problem for Daenerys, right? Like, let's say she does fly her dragons over, and let's say she does try and sit on the throne, kills yeah. the Lannisters, takes over a King's Landing, mm-hmm. and Jon Snow, the real. Targaryen air comes back. What yeah. the fuck? Well, so I, I had this debate with um, a, an emailer earlier in the week where it's still Danny's got the stronger claim to the throne if you want to grant that you can have a queen sitting upon it because she's the uh, sure. she's the brother of Rhaegar. John at best is his son, so he's she's one generation okay. up from him. She's his aunt. It should be her sitting on the throne now with the Targaryens being. Freaky deaky with their incest. It could just be that they rule as, you know, incestual king and queen. If you want the, like, super uber, everybody gets their happy ending, everybody ships John and Danny. Right. You know, um, sure. Hmm. That's that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, but, but the thing is, no one said the Song of Ice and Fire has to be a happy song. It could be a dirge. So it could be mm-hmm. the and there, and I've I've talked about this last year. There's ample evidence that Danny's going the way of the Mad King. Uh, there's even evidence in the show itself, like you know the fact that she had this extreme reaction to the 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 uh, why, you know the the masters of of um help me out Marine Marine thank yeah, you yeah. 
for some reason, saying Marine, I feel like oh, that doesn't seem right. Uh, and the fact that she like burnt this guy alive, um, and in the books, there's a lot of internal dialogue where she's struggling between like her darker impulses of fire and blood, and the way she thinks that she should rule, which is just and wise as a queen. Right. Um, it, it's entirely possible she ends up being the villain, and John's the hero that stops her. It's also equally plausible that John gets corrupted by dark night magic and she has to be yeah. the one. That's, so the Song of Ice and Fire could be a tragedy. Right. Uh, anyway, he says about number three, Varys and Littlefinger, I have no fucking clue. So he she quickly goes, to, do you have any ideas? Because like, to me, I don't. I, I don't really. No. I mean, it seems like they're, like Littlefinger's just trying to consolidate power. In himself, right? I mean, the, in 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 the books, and I go in this at length. There's a, a thing about uh, the whole Fagons thing in the archives. I go in length about the book plot where Varys and Illyrio are secretly plotting to put either a fake or a genuine or a Blackfire Targaryen on the throne for their own purposes, and that you could kind of see this as the ultimate long con. Like they started working together. Um, over uh, in Essos as petty thieves that uh, Varys was the pickpocket and would steal something valuable from a lord and Illyrio was the uh, kind of like uh, bounty hunter that would go and he, he'd be the guy if something got stole he had just fantastic luck in recovering it right right so Varys would take the thing pawn it get the money and then Illyrio would say I know how to get it back uh, pay me and I'll get it back he get, so they get double paid yeah. And then Varys realized, you know, it's like the property brothers. Sure, <laughs> like Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then then they realized that, like, you know, what's really valuable is these people's secrets. So Varys got really good at stealing secrets and pay, mm. you know blackmailing people. And there is essentially this is like their their end game is this scheme writ large that they've essentially stolen this the the Iron Throne and yeah. they're going to mortgage it back. <laughs> okay, so. That could be cool. Yeah, it's cool, but on it's it's essentially just kind of like Lex Luthor being a real estate agent. Like, okay, it's cool that you're blowing up California to make a bunch of Nevada see, but <laughs> really, this is a real estate scam. Uh-huh. Like, okay, it's cool that you've stolen iron, but really, this is just about being richer and more powerful than you already are. I don't know, uh, Littlefinger. Who the fuck knows? Right. Uh, but anyway, going on to number two. Which is Daenerys reaching Westeros. Common sense dictates the longer Daenerys takes to reach Westeros, the further south the clash with the walkers will take place. Notably, the vision in the show that Daenerys had of snow on the Iron Throne would suggest they get as far south as King's Landing. Hmm. Although I will say that there's debate about whether that's snow or ash. Ooh. It could be Dragonfire. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, given this and how many episodes we have left, I'm thinking that Daenerys doesn't make it over to Westeros until at earliest episode 10 of this season and possibly into the next mini-season. It now is obvious that the Greyjoy's boats will be necessary, and they haven't even reintroduced them yet. If they have, if I have to sit through another 16 episodes of Daenerys and Essos trying to get to Westeros, I'm afraid at the end of it, that payoff might not be worth the cost. Her storyline is so tired at this point in my mind, especially given how much she has yet to do logically in the plot. Yeah, like I said before, I think they're trying to fast-track that, honestly. Like... They're having a couple of things go on at the same time yeah. with getting the boats and also with, uh, you know, her her kind of being out of the picture at the moment. Yeah, they're 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 searching for her and they're getting the boats at the same time, and those might come to a head right at the end of this Agreed. season. And I disagree that it's not interesting seeing what she's been doing. Once you just buckle into the fact that she's not going to Westeros right away, it makes sense that what she's doing in Essos. It is. It's like uh, you know, queen with training wheels on. 
Right. Um, I also don't know what I think. I I feel like that he he might be onto something. The episode ten, you know, it's a yeah. lot of seasons. Game of Thrones has the you know epic montage of epicness of like the sure. Night's Watch riding forth into the night and. And the Daenerys striding forth naked with her dragons, and yeah. and, and and all the, these things, I could see her, you know, at the head of a sh- vast fleet of ships with her dragons circling in the air, as being like shouting, "I'm the king of the world!" Yeah, exactly, I'm the queen of the world. Where are my dragons? Oh, they're just right there. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see that being like the hammer of that sequence. Okay, yeah. You know, like, that's the that's what we end on, because God damn it, finally. And, fucking finally. And it would certainly get me excited. I mean, dragons and an army coming to King's Landing. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And I feel like there's enough time for them to wrap that up, introduce the yeah. ships, and, like, there's fucking eight more episodes, man. Right. Like, think of, like, how they've moved in previous seasons. Think of how far we've come in just these two. Yeah. So, I w- I'm only going to worry if she doesn't get the... I will... For the first time in many a season, be worried if she doesn't get the Westeros by the end of this season. Or at least set off toward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, right. that's what I'm saying. Like, definitely, like, Marine is in the the rearview mirror, and she's she's heading forward. Because, man, that's going to try a lot of people's patience if we don't get to that far with only two half seasons to go. Yeah. Uh, says, I have similar feelings for Arya's plotline, which is the number one that he started off with. How much time will you wind up where she's between now and when she's a fully trained faceless person? We've been anticipating her becoming a badass assassin from season one or perhaps two. Five or even four seasons later, she's still not. Then presumably she needs to make her way over to Westeros to do what exactly? Kill I hope people. <laughs> I hope by the time she's de- done, there's more than one mission she's charged with, or maybe there'll be a spinoff. At least with Arya, I'm sure the journey, or rather the murder she commits along the journey, will be as much fun as the end point. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing about Arya. I don't even know if she's going to become a faceless person. I don't think she'll officially be... I mean, I think she'll become... have all. It'd be like a Batman situation. Right. Like, he's trained in the League of Shadows, he gets the ultimate test, and he's like, fuck all this, I'm going to be Batman. Yeah, I'm just going to take my skills and leave. I think Arya will be like, thanks for the training, jackasses. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go my own path. But... What does she do? Because if Danny's got her dragons and John's got his freaky ice powers, what do you need her assassin powers for? Well, I mean, is this just literally like a personal like journey for Arya for revenge? I mean, that maybe is, it sure. is. It's not as you know epic as a fucking dragon fight and a war with Winter in the North. Like, not as epic, but still valuable to Arya. But. Yes, and I'm sympathetic to that because I like Arya's character a bunch. But if it has literally nothing to do with the culmination of the plot, then that feels like a lot of jerking around for nothing. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm I I am reading it for the story of this little girl's transformation, personal journey. But I'm also okay. not right. That, right, the journey is you. not the fucking destination in this case. Okay, and as more and Fair more enough. people on her list get killed or be written off as irrelevant in the show, it's like, man, what is she going to be left to do? Yeah. What if um, a couple of those players, one or, or a few of those players, uh, people on our list, become important to, m- more important to the central plot? Could be. And then she's got to go in and kill them, or maybe they even become, like, allies of someone, and yeah. she has to go in, and she's still on her personal journey. She's got to kill them. That fucks up plans el- elsewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I... There I, are ways to weave it back into the main plot. I guess I've never really thought... Until now, where exactly is her plot going that would be interesting? Yeah. 
Um, now I will say that they really made it a a big plot point that her and Jon Snow were very very close. Right. They hammer in the books that they are the ones that really favor Lyanna. There's a personal affinity because they both kind of feel like outsiders in the Starks because Arya doesn't want to be a Stark woman. Yeah. Which also ties her back to Lyanna because Lyanna was all about I'm the best horse rider here and um, there's even um, an extended sequence in the books that implies that she like pretended to be a knight at one point um, and was quite successful at it. Uh, so there's a lot of things that tie her and John together. It would be interesting to have them be in opposition somehow. Mm-hmm. Like what if you know Arya feels like she has to murder Danny for some reason and John has to stop her, or what if right. Arya is assigned to kill John Snow? By the faceless men. Oh, sure. By the faceless men. That that would yeah. be something to do. Like I, you know, I I don't know. Like, but I feel like that there's there's it's something important about her and the fact that she buried Needle and the fact that that was the parting gift that John gave her. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's their fates are going to be intertwined, and that's what's going to be that's the end game that's satisfying. That they sure. get thrown back together and probably as adversaries. I don't know. It doesn't feel like allies because that doesn't feel like what this book is series is all about, but. I'd be curious to see what anyone else thinks about that. Uh, moving on, Jake C. Hey guys, after listening uh, after episode one, I started thinking a lot about the White Walkers and how they come into play. We know the Knights King is their leader, and he used to be the Lord Commander of the Knights Watch. It's said that he proclaimed himself king and rules the Night Fort. We also know the Night Fort is where both Bran and Sam and Gilly used to move past the wall. Maybe the Knights King leads his army through the Night Fort, the secret entrance through the Night Fort. Um, I don't know because there's a lot of hints in the books that there's some kind of magic ability to the wall that precludes the others and the whites and the white walkers from being able to pass through it. Right. In fact, there's some evidence that perhaps the wall gets torn down before everything's said and done. Mm-hmm. There's this story about this Joraman's horn that you can blow and it's supposed to be able to destroy the wall. Like I, that's another thing that might blow your mind. Like, be prepared for that wall to fall this this season. Yeah. And what the fuck that will mean. <laughs> so um, I like your theory because there is like why introduce this way to get to and from the wall if you're not going to use it later. But I don't know that the Night's King's going to need it. Um, and also that Night's King stuff still is not confirmed. It's more like legend and theory than fact, but <laughs> pretty good textual evidence for it. And by the way. Again, in the archives, I go in a deep dive about the Knights King and the others and their relationship to the wall. So check that out if you're interested. Uh, Nicole K says, My boyfriend asked me tonight if there's any fathers left on the show, by which he meant an older generation uh, male head of a major house. The only ones I could think of in the show that was introduced was Mace Tyrell. I did tell him about the Umbers and the Manderleys mainly because, or yeah, mainly because they were mentioned in the past episode and they might come into play in the near future. I didn't mention Papa Tarly, which is Sam's father, uh, because I figured that if we were going to see him, Sam will meet him soon on the show. Am I forgetting anyone? I mean, Ned, Tywin, Oberyn, Jior, Balin, Roos, they're all now dead. Is there any man left of an older generation? Um, though, I mean, in the books, there's there's plenty. There's Jan Royce in the Vale, and there's a couple other minor lords. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the Manderleys and the Umbers, Great John's still alive. The Wyman Manderleys still alive. Uh, the Blackfish, um, which is uh, Catelyn's uncle, the, the the guy who took over from her brother uh, to set her father on fire. Uh, he's still out and about uh, doing his thing. But you're right. The uh, 
I, this seems to be a story of the new generation having to take control from the old before their time. And also, um, maybe the new generation is comprised of more women and less, you know, old men. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be an interesting plot point too. Uh, any thought? You probably don't. This is that's pretty yeah, much a bookish question. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. David V says irony seems to play such a huge role in the series. Putting the Targaryens aside as rightful rulers to the throne for a second, does it not seem completely ironic that Cersei is, by all rights, the rightful queen of Westeros? I'm reading this this email to make a point. Just by the way. Uh, with Stannis, Shireen, and Renly pushing up daisies, and Gendry not in the mix at the moment, there are no Baratheons to take the throne. Mm-hmm. However, if you go back 150 years before Robert was even born, Corrin Baratheon had six children with a woman named Lyanne. One of them was Arion, was, uh, which was Robert's great-great-great-grandfather. The next one down to have surviving children was Eliana. She married a lord named Mathlin. Mathlin Lannister. Mathlin fathered Jason, who fathered Demon, who fathered Gerald, who fathered Titus Lannister. Oh, who was, and who was Titus' firstborn son? Jorel. I don't know. No, it was Tywin. <laughs> Boom goes to dynamite. Is there any reason that this is not brought up? Uh, why is there such a lack of knowledge of the family history? I want to leave that question hanging in the room because okay, I consider myself and everyone listening to this podcast in the top 1% right. of Game of Thrones knowledge. And, like, let's say I was the bottom of the top 1% of basketball players in the in the, in the the world. Yeah. I could still play LeBron and he'd beat my ass. Because the gap between... It, it's the bell curve, right? It just gets steeper and steeper at the edges. Mm-hmm. You, David, are, like, the top 1% of the 1%. Because I don't know any of that fucking shit. I certainly don't. And, yes, you can get... This is all in, like, the worlds of ice and fire. And you can look all this lineage up. But there's no way George expects us all to know that. So the reason why this knowledge isn't more commonly known is because, number one... No one's got the lineage for all these houses memorized, except for maybe George himself mm-hmm. and a few of his personal acolytes that, that help him out on things. And, and and there's probably a couple Uber fans that just like just people that can recite pie out to a thousand decimal places. Yeah. Um, if it's going to be plot important, they have to surface that knowledge in a way that's much more easily to, to be digested. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, you just laid it all out there. Yeah. That would that would just bore a bore the shit out of me yeah. as a viewer and completely not stick. And can you imagine Cersei getting up and saying, I'm actually the rightful queen because yada, 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 yada. People be like, boo, yeah. get off the stage. You it's know? eye roll time. Like I, the from the viewers and the people she's speaking to, the like, reason she's got the rightful rules because she's got a seven foot tall undead monster right at her side. Right. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not denigrating the book knowledge here. Sure, I'm just saying sure. that, like, you got to realize that if that's, you know, if that's something that, that needs to be worried about or planned for, it's got to be surfaced another way because nobody knows that. Yeah. Like, I, if, if there's 20 people in this world that know that complete heraldry, I'd be amazed. All that <laughs> genealogy. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, um, Let's see. Let's move on. This is the... F- oh, no. I guess there's a couple more. There's about three more. Uh, Corey P. wants to know, why do you think Brienne didn't tell Sansa that Arya was with the Hounds? She just said she was with a man. Now, I'm mentioning this in a spoiler podcast because I wanted to say, and I didn't have time to research it, I wanted to say that I don't think that Brienne knows that the Hound is the Hound. Really? 
I mean, she huh. co- the first she comes back to King's Landing for maybe the first time at Joffrey's wedding. That happens after the Battle of Blackwater, right. which is where the Hound fucks off. Yeah, he's not wearing his. I, I get it. He's a big dude, but he's not like the biggest dude in the kingdom. That's his brother. He's not wearing his signature Hound helmet. How huh. the hell would she know that that is the Hound? And, Interesting. And yeah. it could be that he says, I'm the Hound, bitch, before. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember. I, uh-huh. I I saw their fight, but I didn't know if there's another time that they might have met. Hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to stick it out there and, like, maybe spoil someone or or, or, or whatnot. But in my mind, the Brienne doesn't know that the Hound is the Hound. Okay. Um. Also, we know it's not the first time that she withheld information from Sansa because that's one thing that people had a problem with last year when she met Sansa is she didn't lead off with, hey, I saw your sister. She's alive. Right. So, yeah, I I could go either way. Maybe she's way. Saying, saving something for the road trip. And, and I'm going re- to read this on this next week's Tuesday podcast. And if anybody's got information to dispute this, please let me know because I'd like to have more complete information. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to farm some brain, brain cycles out. But yeah, I I just don't know that she knows that the hound is the hound. Although, again, he's a tall dude with prominent facial scars. Sure, you would think that she would have. She, he's one of the more famous fighters in Westeros from a you know you know a, and the mountains arguably the most. He's right up there with Jamie Lannister uh, and Barristan Bold as the most prominent fighter in Westeros. So it's not unreasonable that she would have heard from him. But I don't know. Uh. Next week, some theories about the Oathbreaker episode. Uh, Chad M. says, regarding Oathbreaker, if John is resurrected and leaves the Night's Watch, isn't he breaking his oath, i.e. the title of the episode? Not technically. We've discussed this before. Technically we, correct, the yeah. best type of correct there is. <laughs> He's going to rules lawyer him. And, uh, and then fuck off south. But just like we said, like your claim to the throne is only as strong as that you can back it up. Like... His claim to be not an oathbreaker is only as strong as the argument that he can make. He made a pretty good argument. Just lift his shirt. Well, right. Like, come like, on. I was dead. Y'all knew I was dead. Right. You fucker Check stabbed out my me to death. Skin. Yep. You, you, you actually killed me. Yeah. So yeah. Um. But uh, there is an implication too that like <clears throat> someone also wrote in a kind of similar thought, and it's like, well, even if he says I'm not an oathbreaker, he goes south to do whatever. We know that anytime you escape from the Night's Watch, they execute you because, you know, you deserted the Night's Watch. John comes and says, no, 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 I didn't desert. I was killed and then magically resurrected by a Red Witch. Yeah. Again, lift your shirt. Show yeah, them but, the wounds. Yeah, people got scars. Like, sh- like so is his what? skin going to go back to normal tone? Yeah, I don't We know. don't know. Like, if he looks like he's fucking dead and he's right. walking around... And maybe going like who knows yeah. what he's going to be like. There could now there could be a debate about whether John's an oathbreaker or not. I wouldn't be right. surprised, but it seems from the previews that there 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 are terms like a god being thrown around regarding him. Okay, people think you're a god. I don't think you stand in the way of God when he wants to leave the wall. Yeah, uh, I am interested in and and, and the other thing is. I, we mentioned this in the main cast, right? That like, even if John is freed from his duties, he might not just abandon him right away because sure. he's the best man for the job right now. Right. Uh, and he knows what's up. Uh, I could see him promoting Davos to Lord Commander. Okay. Um, and I don't I think Davos is, you know, his big arc about his son dying. Like, I feel like he's kind of ready to dedicate his life to the realm and he never really wanted to hold lands or titles anyway. Uh-huh. He'd be a natural fit. Uh, Lord Commander Ed. 
Yep. Do, uh, Dolores, yep. Dolores Ed would be a nice touch. I could see John even being like, you know what, Alistair Thorne, you're the best one for the job. And now you see that I've come back. You're not going to be an asshole to the wildlings. So, like, if you promise not to fuck with these arrangements, I'll make you the Lord Commander because you're the best candidate. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Oof, indeed. Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, Dennis B. from Brooklyn wants to give an op- uh, opinion on the upcoming episode entitled Oathbreaker. Since it's looking like it'll be a flashback episode of Tower of Joy, I think the title could be alluding to Jamie for breaking his oath as a Kingsguard and killing the Mad King. It's one of the many major events leading up to the Tower of Joy. What do you guys think? What does it tell us, though? We already know this. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I guess it could be about Jamie because he is, in fact, the an Oathbreaker. Right. And it's also symmetry from when he handed Brienne the blade on the episode called Oath Keeper, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give us any new information. So I'm still, my money's on something with John, something with Ned breaking his promise to Leanne and that being plot uh, specific or, or plot centric. Those are my best guesses, but you know, they're just guesses. So, okay. Uh, that's all that we got this week. Is there anything you want to add before we move on? Nope. I'm good. All right, as always, uh, send please send emails to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com uh, or go on to forums.baldmove.com. It does seem like there's going to be a weekly correction thread to my spoiler edition, which I fully endorse and support. So if I've made some mistakes or you want to chime in about this uh, Hodor business or um, especially about the Hound and whether Brienne might know the Hound or whether she mm-hmm. lied to Sansa or why that would be, That'd be a good place to put it. Um, but yeah, you know, this stuff is kind of driven by you guys at this point. Um, I can't wait. This The Tower of Joy is going to be fucking rad. Yeah, it, it should be cool. From the previews, not only are we getting it, but it actually seems like they're getting going to get into the battle, which nice. has always been like... You've got, you've got some of the best swordsmen, like Sir Arthur Dane, who's, who kind of wields his own special sword called Dawn, which I almost talked about hmm. this week, but I'm going to see how prominent it is next week. You got some of these the best the best Kingsguard fighters of all time with Ned and this uh, this Howland Reed and a bunch of other Northerners and 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 you know it's a it's a seven on three battle royale and only two guys walk away from it. There hasn't been a lot of really epic sword fights. Yeah, yeah. You know, Serial Pharrell Recently. taking down the Kingsguard with the wooden sword. Ned and Jamie that kind of got interrupted. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Ned and Brienne, Brienne and the Hound. Uh, Oberyn yep. and you know right in the mountain sure. I guess there's more than I've given it credit for there have been for. a few but you know over the last season I I mean Hard Home, you know, Hard Home was like, pretty badass sure sure uh, not and, a single epic fight but yeah I mean but there's like cool things like Ned's sword shattering the, right. the White Walker and whatnot. Um, but this could be like you know a real real title card type of thing so yeah. I'm excited um and we'll see what what, what happens with uh, this episode, Oathbreaker. Uh, we'll see you again right after the episode airs on Sunday nights. We'll have the instant takeout as quick as we can. Of course, if you're a club member, you can actually watch us record live. It's the quickest way to get it. And uh, we'll see you then on the next Tuesday. Yep, see ya. Bye.